Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. This is uh, first Sunday of the Christian calendar. It, it's Hope Sunday. It's the, it's the Sunday that we begin to anticipate and celebrate the birth of the Christ. And for thousands of years now, this is the Sunday we remember that our hope is in the Lord. I, I love this reading. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up and one will arise to rule over the nations and the Gentiles will put hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, biblical hope is not a wish or cross your fingers. No, biblical hope is a confidence assurance that what God has said is going to take place. It's an expectation that what he has said is going to happen. It's a certainty. It's, it's how our faith is built to expect those great things from God. And so in, in early church history, it was called the prophetic candle or the candle of prophecy. And so this Sunday, we light that first candle in the reality that God made a promise that he would send a child, he'd send his son. And we live in the reality of that promise, of that uh, uh, promise that was made. And I'm going to preach about it this morning out of Isaiah chapter 7. So as we begin to look forward to that, I'm going to go to Isaiah chapter 7. I'm going to read one verse. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That was 735 years, give or take, before the birth of Jesus Christ. It was 735 years and you have to catch the scene. There's a civil war going on between the tribes of the north, Israel, and the two tribes of the south, Judah. And Asa was the king. He's an evil king of Judah. Evil. I mean, anything goes. Anybody just do whatever you want to do. He had messed up the temple. He had messed everything up. And the believers that lived in Jerusalem were literally scared. And Israel made a pact. The northern tribes made a pact with other people. And they were getting ready to attack Judah. And they were getting ready to attack this evil king. And God tells Isaiah the prophet to go to this young evil king and tell him to ask him for a sign. So like in the 12th verse of the 7th chapter, Isaiah confronts the king and he said, ask God, he'll give you a sign. And the king says, no, I'm not asking God. His self-reliance, his vibrato, he didn't need to ask God for anything. And Isaiah responds with this verse, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign and behold, a virgin shall conceive. God's going to give a sign. He said, you don't want to ask me, but I'm going to give you a sign anyway. Today, sometimes we have to stop and remember what signs mean. Signs, they, they actually are not the answer themselves. Signs actually point to something beyond and bigger. They're prophetic. They tell you that, you know, Hutch is just a few miles ahead or wherever you're at. It, uh, or they give you, a, uh, they tell you, they give you information, they direct you, they point to something other than. The Lord himself is going to do this. It's, it's something prophetic and bigger. And yet, if you get the sign, doesn't mean you're there. I mean, there's a sign outside of town that says, this is Wichita, this is wherever you're at. You can go pick that sign up. That doesn't mean you're actually there. I have a sign in my garage that says New York City. But I can hold the sign. That doesn't mean I'm in New York City. So just because you have the sign doesn't mean you understand the sign. 
And Isaiah the prophet says, listen, God himself, not, not a messenger, not a prophet, not, not even a Sunday school teacher is going to do this. But God himself, he said, I'm going to give you the sign, you silly king, you silly boy. Uh, you need to understand that your stupidity and your evil is not going to stop me from doing what I have purposed and planned to do for my people. And so here's Isaiah the prophet looking at this evil king going, not the armies outside the city nor you is going to stop me from fulfilling my purpose in the lives of those who call me God. Isn't it interesting that there is a king that's coming. There's a king that's going to take place in this plan of God. And God is looking at Asa the king and he says, listen, I brought these people out of Egypt. I brought them into the promised land. I've established a kingdom. And there's a king that's coming. And you're, you're really not it. Uh, there's a king that's coming. Herod's not going to stop him. Pilate's not going to stop him. All the things that come to place are not going to stop God from doing what he has purposed to do in our lives. That should give us hope this morning, right? That nothing in this world, no plan of any man, no plan of any kingdom is going to stop God from doing what he has purposed to do for all of his creation. In fact, the scriptures tell us that God has a plan for us, plan to do us good and not harm, plan to never leave us or never forsake us. And that, that verse, Isaiah 7, verse 14, and a virgin shall conceive and you shall call him. That verse gave hope to Israel and to Judah 735 years before Jesus was born. You see, every sign, that prophetic word, that, that sign gave people hope in that moment. And if we're not careful, as we begin to anticipate Christmas, it's not just about uh, buying presents. It's not just about remembering something. But if, if we're not careful, we'll miss the fact that Jesus and the birth of Jesus is, is more than just going to heaven. It, it's more than just our salvation, that, that Jesus himself. His birth, His life, His death, His resurrection, His presence in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit, that is a sign to us that He points maybe to what's possible in your life, to what's possible in my life. That Jesus points to the potential that's in you and the potential that's in me. That Jesus, the birth of this child, points to all the power that could take place in the life of every human being. That Jesus is more than just something to be remembered or something to look forward to at the end of our life. But in reality, he's pointing out that every one of us were intended to live as sons and daughters of God. Filled with all that he is and all that he has. That this is what we're capable of being. This is what we're capable of doing. This is the life that we're capable of living. That Jesus comes to give us this sign. Let, let's... Let me just follow along with this for just a minute. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign and behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a son and we will call him Emmanuel to understand that when God gives a word, it's a word in all time. You, you can't say that there is God and here is God. No, God is both there and here, that God knows no limits or no, no bounds, that when God gives a word, that that word has already been fulfilled, that if God gives a word, it's already taken place. And so when he says uh, a son shall be born, that, that child is already real. And so that no matter whether it was spoken 735 years before the birth or whether you and I are standing 2,000 years after the birth, Jesus is alive. 
Jesus is Lord. Jesus was Lord then, he's Lord there, and he's Lord here. That God spans all of that. That just as it speaks to Israel, just as it spoke to Bethlehem, it speaks to you and I today in 2020. That this is the sign that a virgin shall conceive, that God himself will come into our lives. That that sign that 700 years later gave hope to Bethlehem, that ultimate sign, that purpose, that Jesus comes to renew and to restore and to redeem and to recover and reform us. Paul would later write in the eighth chapter of of Romans that God foreknew and predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. That the sign points to the reality that every one of us, you and me, you and I, we were destined to be conformed to the image. That we were created in the image and the likeness of God. And that Jesus comes to renew us, to reform us, to recover for us. That this prophetic revelation is really a revelation that we were called to be the sons and the daughters of God. That John, the revelator, would write that we now, now, today, right now, are the sons of God. That those people, when the prophecy was made, were the sons. That the people that received Jesus were the sons. And that today, as he is, so are we, right now, this present moment. That that prophecy is not something to be looked at in the future, but it is something to be lived right today. That as we anticipate the celebration of the birth of Christ, what we are really doing is living in the reality that Christ is in us, the very hope of glory. That this is a defining moment. This is a defining moment in your life and in my life. And that we can't allow the circumstances of the things that gathered outside of Jerusalem to overthrow the king. Or or the things that would be gathered today to cause us to miss the reality that there is a son, a God, a spirit that is living on the inside of us. That you and I were created to know him. That you and I were created to be like him. That the reality is, is that we ourselves can live this life of Christ right now. Think about it. A, a, A virgin. A virgin shall conceive. In other words, no man is going to do it. God himself is going to impregnate it. God himself is going to take responsibility for it. You can't explain it. You can't describe it. It's this wonderful mystery that the thing that all of Israel has been waiting for, which is the manifestation of the king and the kingdom, is going to take place because God initiates it. I don't know about you, but I, I think maybe Mary was waiting for the Messiah and she was waiting for that moment and she was hungry for it and she was desiring she had a passion for that one thing and, and today I have to tell you that more than anything in my life I'm passionate for the presence of God to manifest himself in every area of our lives and and that the Holy Spirit told Mary that the Holy Spirit would God told Mary that the Holy Spirit would overshadow her Listen, the work of God is the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. That, 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 I, I get tickled at some people telling me, well, I had a calling from God, but I tried to get away from it. What do you mean you tried to get away from it? The work of God is when God comes in and overshadows us. I, I don't think you can get away from it. I, I don't think, I, I don't know about you, but when I read those that have lived before us, Amos the prophet said, I was a herdsman, a gatherer from fruit. And then the Lord took me, took me as I followed the flock. God comes and overshadows us and he takes us. 
he tells Jeremiah that he knew him in his mother's womb. And then I love Paul. He said, I was apprehended by the one that I was trying to apprehend. I mean, if you think about Paul, Paul was trying to stop the church. He was opposing Jesus. He was trying to apprehend them and put them in jail. And the one he was trying to apprehend, apprehended him. Listen to me. The the greatness of Christmas is that God comes to us and overshadows us and and works in our life. My life particularly. I, I can tell you, I was driving down a road in Wichita, Kansas in this little pickup. And all of a sudden, something came into that pickup. And I had to pull over and it was in and God took over and he overshadowed me and he began to impregnate me and, and, and make me have dreams and visions of what he wanted to do through my life and in my life. And all of a sudden, my life was not my own. And I understood I'd been bought with a price. I'd been redeemed by the blood of the lamb and, and something begin to happen. And that's the anticipation of every Christmas. That's the anticipation of every Advent. I'm going to do something in your life. That's the prophetic utterance of God today. That's the promise that we have. I mean, really, if you ask Jonah for a minute, Jonah was trying to get away and God took him over. Listen, people may think I'm crazy and maybe I am, but I believe in virgin births. I believe that God sent his overshadowing spirit into the life of this young lady and she conceived the son of the living God. I believe in that virgin birth. That, that still excites me today. I, I don't know how we cannot be overwhelmed by the reality that God came into humanity by his own initiative. I believe in the virgin birth. I, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead, that the tomb is empty, that he ascended into heaven, that he is coming again. I know that's crazy. I know it's crazy to believe in the Bethlehems and in the virgin births and in the wise men and Joseph, but that's why we light the candle. That is our hope, is that he did come, he did rise, and he is coming again. And so I live in the middle of this advent of his coming and the return of his coming. And I live in the middle of that by the hope of the passionate prophetic utterance. And they're always trying to put crazy people away. Paul said, if I acted crazy, it was God's fault. But if I don't have that kind of hope, we'll never live through these moments. People of hope understand that God overshadows us and that he he impregnates us and he gives us this ability to just focus on him, to have passion to be together. I have to tell you that even as I'm recording this, I have a passion to be back together with you next Sunday, that I have a passion for us to gather together and hold hands together and see the power of God. And and that, that, that every time I have to stand before this camera and do this, I have a hunger and a passion to be back together in the room with all of you, because that's the will of God is that we're joined together. And so this thing is creating even more hunger in us. If we think about it, that little girl, be it done unto me, go ahead, overshadow me, fill me with all that you are, that I can give birth to something that would change the world and change the generations to come. This passion that I have for the presence of God is not just for me, it's for the generations that would come. And then if you think about Joseph, come on, if you think, if you go to Matthew chapter one, you go to verse 18 through about verse 25, it's this great story where Joseph, her husband, the betrothed to be, he he finds out that, that she's expecting this child. 
And the Bible tells us that he thought, well, he'll just put her away privately. You do understand that, that most people want to shut us up. Most people want to shut up crazy people. And, and Joseph, he was being kind. And he thought, well, I'll, I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just kind of put her away and put her in. And then he had a dream. You know, dreams have a way of changing your destiny. Dreams have a way of removing the doubts that are floating around in your life. And he has this dream. And in that dream, God confirms the fact that this child is of him. He confirms the fact that this child is God with him. See, I need Joes in my life. I need those Joes in my life that are willing to be ridiculed. You, you know Joseph was ridiculed. I need Joes in my life that are willing to protect me and give up their reputation. I need Joes that are willing to be made fun of because their pastor is crazy. I, I, need, I need Joes who are willing to lose their own life to protect what it is that's going on in my life. And Joe had this dream to not just protect. He, he, he decided not to put her away, but to protect her and to conceal and, and to understand, to risk everything. And then Mary goes looking for Aunt Elizabeth. She went looking for someone who could understand her situation. She went looking for another person that had a similar experience as her own. Can I tell you something that we can get comforted and encouraged when we look for other people that have these crazy dreams of the presence of God being made real in our life, that you can't hang out with people that are always ridiculing, that you have to find other people that have the same dream. And she went and found Liz, who was pregnant with John the Baptist, and suddenly that thing in her leapt just at... See, we have to be around other people that believe in virgin births and resurrections and returning kings and miracles and signs and wonders. And this is the sign I'm going to give to you is there's going to be this group of people that so believe this that it's going to cause the whole world to stop and realize that Jesus is Lord. And so Liz encourages and comforts and consoles and strengthens the resolve. Today, let me tell you, we need the Joes in our life that don't put us away, but protect us. We need the Liz's in our life that comfort us and console us and, and cause us to, to go ahead and have the courage. You see, we need to recognize today that the birth of Christ is just as real today as it was prophesied 700 years before his birth, just as real as it was in the manger. It's real today in 2020. That, that each one of us, that there's a potential and a possibility in this, this power that's in our lives. And can I tell you, the whole world will be messed up until that that's inside of us comes forth and comes out of, out of us. That that which has been, we have, to, we have to get in the right position. Mary was pregnant, but she was in Nazareth. She was in the wrong position. She's in the wrong place. And God's trying to get the church in the right position to give birth. And listen, God, God used Caesar to get Mary and Joseph in the right position, to get them located, to get them right there. You see, God, God is moving so many things in 2020. He's actually moving the stance of the church. He's, he's breaking off things from the worldwide church and getting us to get in a position for the birth of the Son of God, for the, for the 
who we are to come through us, not the institutions or the denominations or all the other stuff, but that, so the church can give birth to the power and the presence of this God and who move us right into that place. Just as he moved Mary into the right place, he's going to move you and I into the right place. So it's this passion and this presence and this power. And so Christ was born. He was born in Bethlehem and then frankly he disappears for 30 years. We see him, just a glimpse of him. But, but then all of a sudden he shows up and all these signs and these wonders and these miracles are done and, and we can get caught up in those signs and wonders and miracles and sometimes think that's what it is. But the reality of it is that those signs and wonders and miracles that he did for three and a half years point to even something bigger than themselves. That, that Jesus himself points to something greater. That the miracles that he did points to something greater. He was after something more. It was what he desired. See, he desired a bride. He desired you and he desired me. And so this sign begins to point to something beyond even the things that he did while he was here. It points to his choice. And so we see that three and a half years after he, so to speak, comes on the scene, we see him coming into Jerusalem. We see him going to a cross. This one that was prophesied 735 years before he's born. This one that lived silently for 30 and publicly for three and a half. Suddenly now he's on this world stage and he's hanging between two thieves. He's hanging between two thieves. The thief comes but to steal and kill and to destroy. He's hanging between these thieves and one of them rejects him and one of them receives him. Here we are in the midst of humanity, and I, can I tell you that a lot of humanity will reject him, but some will receive him. He's strung between two thieves, and he's hanging between heaven and earth. And you remember these words, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? And he looks up, and then he looks down and says, Behold thy mother. Here he is between two thieves, between humanity. Some will reject and some will receive. Here he is between heaven and earth. And he's wondering why the father has forsaken. And he's looking at his mother and saying, behold thy mother. Can I tell you something? That the sign that was prophesied 735 years later. And here we are at the cross and he's hung between. And he's choosing something other than his father. He's choosing something other than his humanity. He's choosing a bride. He's choosing you and he's choosing me. For God, for a man will leave his mother and his father and he'll cling to his wife and the two will become one. And the sign is that God chose you and he chose me. He chose us to be his bride. He chose us that we could be his bride, that he could give birth to many sons that we would become as he is. And so on the cross, we see the sign of the love that, that, that stands rejected and stands received, that, that, that looks at his father and looks at his mother and says, I have found something and someone that I love with all of my heart. And it's every human being that's ever been born, those in Israel and Judah, those that were in Bethlehem and those that today are watching this, God's choosing you. And that's why we light this light of hope. That's why we look towards Christmas is because we have the hope that God through his son, by the power of the Holy Spirit is choosing us. 
We don't want to look at the things that are gathered against us. We don't want to look at the fear we have on the inside. We want to see the sign because the sign is pointing to you. It's pointing to you and it's saying, look, my beloved, look, they're the ones that I love. It's through you and I today that as we look in anticipation of the one that was born in Bethlehem, he is the sign of love. He is the sign. And do you understand that the world should look at you and I and the way we love one another should reveal the sign. The way, not just that we love him, but that we love each other. That we see in each other the very love of Christ and that we love in a sacrificial way. Because the hope of the world is Christ in you and me. The hope is not in governments. The hope is not in institutions. The hope is in the love that we show each other. That as we prepare gifts to give to one another, they're but a symbol and a sign of the love that we have in our hearts that is there because we've received the Christ. The Christ in us. Paul would write in the book of Romans that we are saved by this hope. We're not simply saved by the hope that we think that the Christ was born in Bethlehem. We're saved by the hope that we believe that Christ is in us today. And that that Christ in us produces the potential and the possibilities and the power of God himself. And that as he is, so are we right now. That we are not at the mercy of the things of this earth, but that God said, I'll give you a sign. And that sign is me being born in you. Overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, Jesus comes through the human flesh to reveal this wonderful love that he has for every one of us. That's the one thing I desire today. The one thing that I have hope in. The one thing that I'm looking for is for the Christ to break through you and break through me. And that as he does, that the world will see and know that Jesus is Lord. You see, when Jesus prayed in John's gospel, the 17th chapter, he said, Lord, make them one that the world might know. That's my hope. My hope today is that we have love one for another. My hope today is the Christ that was prophesied, the Christ that was born is the Christ that's in us. And that it transforms the world, that it changes Christmas, that it changes this year, it changes next year, it changes all of us. That's the meaning of the sign. That's what the sign not only points to, but he becomes that Christ in us. Hallelujah. So we're looking forward to Christmas. Yes, we're going to look forward and recognize that we are the hope, that Christ in us is that hope. And we remember Every time we come to this table, we remember. We remember that the son that was born is the son that gave his life to us. And so he told us that as often as we come together, that we take a bread and we take a cup of wine and we remember his body and his blood. For God so loved the world that he gave. Merry Christmas. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you come that you come into their home, that you come into my home, that you come into our lives right now. And he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it, and this, do this in remembrance of me. He took the cup and he gave thanks. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you do it, you proclaim my breath, death. And so, Holy Spirit, come as we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The body and the blood of Christ, broken and given for you. Receive all that he has for you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are saved by hope. The hope of his son in us. The manifestation of his son through us. Amen. I'm looking forward to seeing you in person. I'm looking forward to seeing you online. Uh, Wednesday nights, every morning, praying with you. Uh, Join me tonight. And we'll do a special little time there out of the chapel and we'll light candles and we'll sing a song or two. And we'll reflect even more about the meaning of Christmas and the reality of how hope births through us. So do me a favor. You can subscribe to this. You can reach out and send it to somebody else. You can continue to uh, spread the gospel through all these technical ways that we have. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look you in your eyes and grant you his peace. In Jesus' name, I'm Pastor Quentin. God bless. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time. Time.